Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Blanker's getting bothered by uh, Key from L.A. Key from L.A. who thought he was banned, who maybe should have been banned by people that don't care about him as much as we do. But Key from L.A. texts in and says, we win Super Bowls, not the division." I don't even know which we were picking this week, Key, for you, but I'm going to assume it's the Rams. Can you give me the multiples and the Super Bowls? Because I'm a little lost with your text. You're getting close to being on band status on text again. He's going to get banned for that? No. I'm just, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just because he thought he got banned the last time and he didn't. What did he do? That. What did he do that he almost got banned for? Or he because thought he, he got banned because for? Because I called his Dodgers the Utah Jazz because they constantly. Oh, that's and, insulting. And, and I said that. You know, they're always good in the regular season, and they fold like a, a cheap suit in a bad envelope a, a, a in the playoffs. <laughs> and then I kept saying, and then Key keeps texting us guarantees, and the exact opposite happens. And I said I'd finally draw on a line because it happened like 10 times. And then he comes through at the trade deadline and says, rest assured, guys, Ver, book it. Verlander's a Dodger. Well, that didn't happen either. And I said, okay, Key, that's it, you're banned. <laughs> you said, well, I mean. Then he was texting. No reason to get banned. Then he was texting with mass panic the next day. Am I really banned? Maybe no, you're not. Maybe lands him on a certain list, but not True. not the banned list. Nine one nine three. The NFC East hasn't had a repeat division champion since oh two, and if the Eagles become the first team to do that, should or shouldn't they make them the class of the division? Well, we said Cash that if trash. they win it by multiple games, then we can start talking about them being the class. There needs of the to be division. a level of dominance. Yeah. There needs to be a level of dominance there. I think that division's underrated. I think that that division's it, low key it solid. It flipped. It flipped from being the worst division in football to being one of the better. People don't give Washington enough credit for for the run they did over the last couple of years with basically smoke and mirrors. That team didn't have a uh, losing team last year. That division and didn't the Giants have a made losing. the playoffs, right? Yeah, Commanders were eight eight and one. Giants made the playoffs and beat the Vikings. The Giants went into Minnesota and beat the That's Vikings. Right. So they right. won. They went. You know, they win win nine games, make the playoffs, but they also won. A playoff game. Cowboys won a dozen games. Eagles won fourteen. Very likely, you know, very very well could have won the world uh, the World Series, uh, the Super Bowl as well. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Why is Joe George uh, gone today? Four six two four. Joe George got invited to a white linen party in Galveston. Okay, all right. Wow. Uh, another one. After working with A's and B's, he's looking for hosts that have C's in their name. Okay, see what you, I see what yeah, you did not there. Bad. Not <laughs> bad at all. See what you did there. 713-780-3776. Why is uh, Joe George, the assistant to the regional manager, not here? John Johnny Belmer's filling in for him. Johnny Radio filling in for him. Third uh, Coast Johnny. Third Coast Johnny. He's got so many nicknames. Johnny Two Jobs. I mean, wh- when does where does the list stop? Johnny Radio. Johnny, Bravo. Uh, Johnny Blaze as well. Johnny Blaze. Who gave you that? Have you given yourself any of these a nicknames? Lot of, most or? all of them. Uh, yeah. MC, Michael Carroll gave me that nickname. Okay, no, I, I don't choose any it. of these. Good. Except for Third Coast Johnny. I chose that one. Okay. Is that because you're near the Gulf Coast? Third Coast, yeah. East Coast, West Coast. We're the Third Coast. There you go. I like it. I like it. Uh, DJB Enemy, friend of the, uh, the station. A huge friend with Gallant. Uh, he says that the position battle to watch training camp, preseason ahead of week one of the NFL season for the Texans is the cornerback opposite of Derek Stingley. Do you agree that cornerback number two on this team, Steven Nelson, the incumbent, he's also the guy who got the contract extension. Do you think he's in a battle with the likes of Shaquille Griffin, Kobe Francis for the Houston Texans? I don't. I mean, I think DJ got this one wrong. I just think that when I look at it, I think Stevie Nelson is head and shoulders a cut above those guys, and and he's the guy that he didn't play himself into being a backup this year or a nickel. I think he's the he's the opposite corner, and, and I don't think he did anything to, except for to criticize Nick's vest, mm-hmm. and he still got an extension out of it to where I think Stevie Nelson's the other corner, and I don't think it's it's disputable. I I, I think even without a contract extension, it's not disputable. Correct. I don't even think it's, it's up for debate. Now, the moment that Nelson got the contract, even it was only I mean, it wasn't even a, an extension. They just gave him a bump of pay. Right, right. But the moment he got the bump of, of of pay, that clinched if there was any sort of doubt that he's cornerback number two. I haven't even seen anybody else question this. I've been out to camp a decent amount of days. Yes, have. I haven't even seen anybody lining up opposite of Stingley that was not Steven Nelson. 
Uh, now you have like a nickel corner, like Desmond King's going to be your nickel corner. Tavier Thomas, you're going to see a little bit of him as well. Those guys really aren't going to play a ton of outside corner unless there's injuries. And, and obviously, Shaq Griffin's the guy who's going to fill in if Nelson has to miss a few plays, if Stingley has to miss a few games. But this is not a position battle. I, I agree I with you and disagree with DJ. Now, if you were to say which was... That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, I, I think you start with one of the ones that right away is center. And, 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 and see, if Quisenberry was still healthy, it would be a really more interesting comp, you know, uh, conversation. But in terms of a competition, I don't think they're done yet. I, I've said this to you before. I, I think that whether you're looking at a Ben Jones or you're looking at guys around the league that are making money that are veterans and teams looking to get a younger guy in there, I think that they're still going to explore the market to try and find a guy so that they don't just throw Juice Scruggs into the mix too soon. I think it is obviously job uh, job waiting for Juice Scruggs to fill. But I don't know exactly when that is, and I don't want to rush him if he's not ready because it's too important to keep C.J. Stroud upright and keep the running game going. Yeah, your theory is more of a Band-Aid. It's more of a Band-Aid at center. Start for the first X amount of games, but you know that's the battle. You're, you know, well, you're not saying it, the juice isn't the future of the position. No, the future of the position might be next year, too, because if you get a veteran guy and he starts playing well... Uh, you drafted him in the second round, though. You did, but like, at if the he's same a time, second round pick, he's got to be the future of the position. He is the future of the position. That's not, I'm not, that isn't even in question. Mm-hmm. But... In a one-year situation, when Stroud, it's so important with Stroud in his first year in the league, I think that if you get a veteran and he starts playing well and there's continuity on the line, that you're not in any rush to make sure that Juice gets out there as a starter in the first year if the guy plays well. Yeah, first year I think is... is yeah, that's know, all I'm talking maybe. about. Maybe. I, I disagree with you. I, I don't even think that's a position battle. I, I think that's Juice Scruggs' job because of the injury of Quesenberry. It would have been Quesenberry's job if he not if he didn't get hurt, though. So that I don't believe that they had any desire to play Juice Scruggs this early, so which speaks to your point, quite frankly. The position battle that I think exists are the receiver spots. I like, thought about that, too. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of this receiver battle. And we, we saw the initial depth chart, which had... You know, it had Nico Collins on it. It had Robert Woods on it. And they only list two starters. It had Tank Dell as a two. It had John Mechie playing with the three. So, like, I think that's where the position battle is is at in training camp and preseason. I think there are snaps to be won based on how these players and receivers produce in preseason games and more in the intra-squad scrimmages, uh, more camp stuff like that. I don't think there's a lot of position battles with this team. I think the receiver's snap count, I think some snaps can be won or lost based on performance here preseason. No, no, I, I completely agree with you. That's the other position that I was looking at. Who's your wide receiver one? Uh-huh. How, how does your depth chart sort out between tonight and the start of the regular season to where you can clearly define Tank Dell's role, John Mechie's role? Is Nico Collins going to move up or be the same player or take a step back? Is Robert Woods capable of being a one, or you know, are we missing something? That's there. There's tons of competition right there alone. I think that's where it's at. The, the two starters that they have listed tonight are Robert Woods, Nico Collins. Their backups are Noah Brown, Tang Dell, and then the threes are John Mechie and Xavier Hutchinson. I think there's a lot of snaps that can be won or lost there. Left tackle, you know who you got there. Left guard, Kenyon Green's like, I mean, he's the guy. Uh, the first day they didn't really have him doing live stuff, but ever since then he's been with the ones, not even rotating in and out. They're committed to Kenyon Green at left guard. Shaq Mason's not fighting for a job. I don't even think right tackle is really a job right now, even though Titus Howard's hurt. I think George Fant's going to be a right tackle. George Fant's there until Titus Howard can get back to healthy. Like, Charlie Heck's been hurt, too. That, like, if Heck was healthy, maybe we got a battle there. But even then, I kind of doubt A backup battle, yeah. But it's still, obviously, we're just waiting on Howard to get healthy. Well, I mean, then... for, if, if Howard's not available the first two weeks oh, of yeah. the year, I think Fant and Heck would have been fighting yep. for that job. Yep. But because of Heck's injury, I think it's Fant's job. No doubt. Absolutely. Now, do you look at the, the linebacker position, especially inside? The, de- the defensive line, you're set. You got Anderson, Malik Collins, Sheldon Rakins, Grenard. Like, maybe Hughes can steal some snaps from Grenard, but Grenard's going to get most of those snaps opposite of Anderson. The linebackers? Hmm. I think, I mean, Harris is set. I think Denzel Perryman's set. Maybe Blake Cashman can lose his job, but he's been a Cam Darling. Maybe Cashman Kirksey is a battle right now. But I think most people that are with the Texans like Cashman, I think most people that are fans of the Texans like Cashman more than Kirksey. Yeah, and I don't know, like I said, I, I, maybe it's a hot take. I don't know that Kirksey makes this team coming out of camp. Uh, it's going to be an interesting battle just to see him. And I know that you know people respect him as a veteran, and there are guys in that locker room and coaching co- coaches that like him. I, I, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. 
I disagree with that uh, a lot initially until this depth chart came out. Because now that you see that they have Cashman ahead of Kirksey, it's like, okay, well, where is Kirksey fit in? He's probably your fifth linebacker, but are you going to pay your fifth linebacker that kind of money? And I know that you can't spend savings a whole lot, but you can roll over a little bit of it. So maybe it makes sense to move on from that money if he's going to be your fifth linebacker. Like, it seems Henry, and I know they play different positions. Henry Toa Toa, I think, is your developed like middle linebacker. They like him, though, yeah. Like, Kirksey can play some middle, too, but... I think that he's I th- ultimately I think Kirksey makes the team. I think he makes the fifty three, but I I have him way more on the bubble now than I did a week ago. I- I'm moving closer and closer to your side. I'm still not all the way there yet because look, you, you got to keep five linebackers, maybe even more than that. And I have a hard time coming up with that fifth or sixth linebacker ahead of Kirksey. Now Kirksey's got a bigger number, so the Texans can try to get some sort of savings. Uh, we just talked about the corner spots. Those are Stingley. That's Nelson. Like I mean, Shaq Griffin's going to rotate in. He's going to get some snaps, but he's not going to start. He's not going to get a majority of the snaps, uh, barring injury. And then the safety spots are locked. I mean, Jimmy Ward, Jalen Petrie, they're your starting safeties. There's not even a topic of conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely right. I I totally agree with all that. Look, and there's a lot of excitement about the safeties in itself. So, yeah, I I think that most other other defensive positions, we're not talking about this. Linebacker is very interesting to me, how it's all going to sort out. Yeah, I think that you have your starters, though. I think you're talking about the twos now. Because I think Harris, Perryman, Cashman are going to be your starters in four, three formations. I think the, I think the Texans are going to play a lot of nickel, though. I think Harris and Perryman are going to be your linebackers that get the most snaps. Uh, they're asking us on Twitch, Degenerate, uh, backup quarterback. Uh, will they keep three quarterbacks on the roster? That new three-quarterback rule is going to make sure yeah, that they have they all are. three on the yep. roster. Yep. And Mills is going to be your backup. See, and that's where I thought early on before camp started, I thought Case had a legit chance to be the two, and it, right from day one, it was pretty much solidified that he wasn't going to be. So, yeah, all three will make the roster, and, and yeah, and Davis Mills is your backup. So, the new quarterback rule, you don't even have to put him on your active roster. So, like, he dresses, but he's not active, and then if you have two in, two quarterbacks that get hurt, he can just play. Yeah. So, it's like a hidden mystery roster spot on your active roster but he can't play unless the other quarterbacks get hurt and they wouldn't be able to come back in the game it's a good rule like it was silly to, to not have this rule we saw it in the playoffs last year with san francisco it was a sad state really good football team yeah, they're out of quarterbacks awful, and they can't move way to watch a playoff game. that was so bad 713-780-ESPN what position battles do you think the houston texans have we haven't mentioned the rockets in a while no i was gonna say is it true too that when we try to figure out where Joe George is, uh-huh. I just had someone text me that they thought that Joe George was talking to people about the things that he needed to get done to create his own website so that he could start doing podcasts huh. and possibly get a career change. Like maybe Locked On Windy City podcast? Maybe. Something like that? Yeah, sock, socks locked and, in the socks socks. teddy bears? Yeah. The Black socks. Socks and baby bears. There you go. There you go. There you go. Where is Joe George? We don't know. 713-780-3776. Let us know. 713-780-3776. We haven't, we haven't checked in on the Rockets in a while. Kelly Eco, friend of uh, Blankers, maybe not the show, but friends of Blankers, uh, he had a, a fan poll on The Athletic kind of picking the, uh, the pulse, taking the pulse of the city in regards to the Houston Rockets. Very interesting stuff with this city's feeling about – the Houston Rockets. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Something that I'm feeling really good about, and I always feel really good about, it's Gentle Ben. Gentle Ben is always something that's the forefront of my mind. It's a great pleasure of mine as well to tell you about Gentle Ben for a variety of reasons. At the top of that list is because I believe what I say, and I think you know that, Gentle Ben in my opinion, is the best. And it will, in your opinion, be the best, too, once you give it a shot. Many of the listeners have said, I've tried it, and you're all right, Branham. I should have trusted you from the very start. It is my favorite. Whether it's the vodka, best in the state, gin, best in the market, or the bourbon, the double platinum winner of the prestigious Ascot Awards. Gentle Ben uses their innovative, revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits that you'll ever taste. Smooth, clean, eliminates the burn. Don't labor through your drink. Enjoy it. Savor it. And you can do that with Gentle Ben. Head to GentleBen.com to learn their incredible story. Head to Gentle Ben's Tasting Room or stop at your favorite liquor store on the way home and pick up a bottle today. Ask for it the next time you're at your favorite bar or at the restaurant as well. If you're headed to an Astros game, too, stop by the Gentle Ben bar right when you walk in the Union Station entrance and give you, get yourself a little bit of the Gentle Ben. Also, Gentle Ben wants to send you to the Astros-Yankees game on September 1st. All you have to do is head over to their Facebook, head over to their Instagram, at Gentle Ben Spirits, at Gentle Ben Spirits, Facebook or IG, 
and enter to win their sweepstakes. They have it as the pinned giveaway post right at the top of their social. You enter to win, they want to send you to the Astros-Yankees Friday, September 1st. Gentle Ben, you'll love what's not in it. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, the best sports radio station in Houston. I've got to prove that I'm the best, and I'm racing no matter what you tell me. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. 9528, uh, he sent his joke in again. Where is Joe George? Wrong answers only. 9528 said Joe George took Paul Gallant to go see the movie Barbie. Yeah, I we think read it was the first time. Maybe, maybe it was a different person. Okay. Maybe it was a different person. I, I think it was the same guy, though. Um, eight six five six. Joe George trying out for Tampa Bay Bucks to be added to the Q or Turback list this weekend. Am I missing something there? Am I, is there a joke there? The way he spelled it, Q or Turback. Uh, maybe just either dyslexic or just never got hooked on phonics. I don't grade the joke. Uh, it's not oh, good. It's, it's a one. That's yeah, bad. Terrible. Uh, quad seven. He's going to a wedding in Chicago. That's next weekend. Quad seven. He's going to a wedding in Chicago next week, and he's going to be working less than he is working, actually. Over the I, next, I heard he two might weeks. be trying to ban half of Twitch with by, while doing it anonymously while starting a Jets podcast. Apparently, that's a thing around here. Yeah, uh, Poncho yeah. said that Joe George is out tutoring Simple Stroud, helping him read the X's and O's in his playbook. Poncho, we're not going to we're not going to do this every day, are we? We're not going to question CJ Stroud's as tuiness. We're not going to do that, right? Although I'll be watching tonight, watching C.J. Stroud's s 2 mm-hmm. He's a pretty sharp football mind, I think, though. He works at it. I think he's a, he's not a great tester, but he put him on the field, he's got a high football IQ. It's been I, a hard-knock knock life, Jeremy. I don't know if you know this, but his dad was in prison. Paul, I love the way Paul says yeah, it. Yeah, Paul was passionate about it. I just want people to know that. 713-780-3776. Wrong answers only. Where? Where is Joe George? We hope to solve the mystery by the end of the show, by 3 o'clock. Uh, Kelly Eco did a fan poll for the Rockets, just taking the pulse of what the city thinks about the Rockets, which I found very, very interesting. I think I take pride in this show, the ability we have to take the pulse of the city. Mm-hmm. Question number one that Kelly Eco asked fans, are you confident the Rockets are headed in the right direction? Blankers, are you confident that the Rockets are headed in the right direction? I am. I, I, I'm I'm not as confident as trying to figure out who might the one or two guys that are going to be the leaders of this youth movement are going to be. And I'm not as sold on Jalen Green. Uh, I, I'm not. I got to see more out of Jabari Smith. I'm obviously not sold at all on KPJ. I believe that there's a ton of talent um, with uh, with Alpi, but I like their role players. I like the fact that they've. They've got a lot of good young talent, and you know me. I wanted them to get Fred Van Vliet. I didn't want any part of James Harden. If there was one guy I wanted them to spend money on when they had to spend money, I wanted it to be Fred Van Vliet. They got him. I don't like what they did with Dylan Brooks because of the amount of money they spent there, but I do think that just the veteran leadership and the ability still of a Fred Van Vliet is going to help the development of all these young players, and nothing's going to help that more than, than Udoka. So I do like the direction this team's going. I'm a fan of the direction, too. I like what they've done. Uh, the collection of talent, I think, has been, look, anybody can just take who's the highest on draft boards, things like that. But they have a good core of young players that have a chance to be good. Uh, they've supplemented it with some solid veterans. Van Vliet, look, even Brooks overpaid. Like, he's still a solid veteran. Ime Adoka wanted him, and Ime Adoka said he didn't want James Harden. So that's cool. I love the head coach hire. So I'm I'm very confident with the direction that they're headed. Now, where do they end up finishing? I think that's whenever all of your questions. Like, they need Jalen Green to be somebody who's a top-10 scorer. They need Jabari to be Jabari that we expected when they drafted him. So those things would increase the ceiling. But right direction, yeah, absolutely. The fan base had it at 75%. 75% of the pollers here were, were saying that the Rockets are headed in the right direction. Next question was, how would you grade the Rockets draft hall, Amen Thompson at number four, and then Cam Whitmore at number 20? Oh, I, I don't think there's any question it's an A. Yeah, I, I think that for as much as we talk about tiers and we knew the upper tier started with Victor Wembanyama, and then... You know, we we knew that it, from there it would be a drop off, but then you weren't going to get Scoot, and you know you weren't going to get some of the other guys that were talked about. Ahmed Thompson to me looks like he's not as raw as people made him out to be. I mean, yeah, he can work on his shot, 
But the kid has got a ton of athletic ability and basketball talent. And then to get a guy like Cam at 20, I mean, when you just basically walk into a pick like that that was supposed to be a top-five pick, how can you not get an A? Yeah, he, he absolutely. He absolutely got an A. Like, he didn't have to will and deal and, like, maneuver around to get an A. But that's fine. That's fine. You, you take who you drafted for in 20. Uh, the fan base had it at 87% grading it an A. Mm-hmm. 11% had it as a, as a B, and then there's always idiots in the world. Uh, question number three. Do you expect the Rockets to finish the 22-23 season with a better record than 22-60? and 60? Oh, no doubt. Hold on, hold on. I read, I read that kind of funny. Did you expect the Rockets to finish last season with a better record than 22-60? Not 60? at all. Nope, I sure didn't. And because, you know, it's kind of like the rookie quarterback discussion with the Texans. I look at how many young guys you were going to be putting out there. I look at the fact that you didn't supplement that roster with veterans that could actually help the locker room and on court. I look at all the things that they were still trying to figure out and do, and you were being run roughshod by a guy that, especially on the day-to-day, didn't have anybody to answer to that new basketball like you do now with Adoka because you were being coached by a guy that wasn't coaching anybody up. I had no expectations or positive outlook on the team a year ago. That has completely turned, did a 180 based on everything we just talked about. 55% were your side, 45% were on the other. Frankly, I, I thought the Rockets were going to flirt with 25. Like, it's same ballpark. I thought that they could get to 25 wins. They got to 22. So, I thought that the Rockets would win a few more games, but splitting hairs there if you're talking about three more wins than the 22 that they had. What is the fewest numbers of wins, the fewest number of wins the Rockets could get in the 23-24 season to be considered a success? Hmm. Fewest amount of wins next year to be considered a success. 35? See, I hate whenever we talk about wins as the as the bar the, the to low, define success. The lowest, the lowest yeah. base. You go seven wins with a bunch of fighting Rex Burkheads. So what? But Are, see, I don't think they're fighting Rex Burkheads. In this case, you've got young guys. If you see development, it's kind of like, again, these conversations we've had to have about the Texans where we can see p- players' individual growth and, and improvement does it translate to wins and enough wins to satisfy from a team perspective getting into the play-in or uh-huh. catching people's eye? I don't think it has to. And because there's still an outside chance you could get your own pick for another year, I think that you can st- you can see improvement and still basically not win as many games as fan base would have liked. Yeah, But I think that based on adding Van Vliet and, and the guys that they added and the fact that these young guys I fully believe are going to take another big step forward because of the coaching staff, that I think if they don't win 35 games, I'd be I'd be disappointed. 35 was the answer that the, the that fans right? said. It was 50% at 35 wins. I, I'm gonna, I, maybe I'm a little bit more optimistic. I, I want them, eh, I'm right there because I think 35 kind of you and I said over tenth. under, we were hovering around 35 to 37, And I think I, right? I was on the oversight yeah, of it, you though. The I was on the oversight of it, though, and I, I expect the, the Rockets to contend for the play-in, which is the 10th spot in the Western Conference. So maybe I'm a little bit, not, not much, same ballpark, but a little bit uh, more optimistic now. You're right. Like, there's too many young players for this team to like play all the veterans and win more games than if they would play the young players. But, I mean, you could roll out, you know, starting five—not necessarily starting five, but getting more minutes than we thought. Like Fred VanVleet plays 40 minutes a night. Um, Jeff Green gets more minutes than we thought he would get. Jock Landell's taking Alpi Shingoon minutes. Jay Sean Tate, you know, Dylan Brooks. So, like, there there are some veterans, but not as high a ratio as you would need. Like, if you if you flip this to a Texans conversation this year. Would you rather the tech? Did we have to ask you this the other day? Like, would you rather win eight games with Davis Mills as your yeah, starting quarterback, that. Robert Woods and Noah Brown as your starters, or would you rather win five games with CJ Stroud, Tank Dell, John Mechie? Like, give me the five wins. Like, I, I want to see yep. the young guys yep. more than winning seven, eight games with a bunch of mediocrity. Well, we said because of the black cloud of the trade. Otherwise, that would have been, to, to, I think, yeah. to you and I, it's a slam dunk decision, except for the fact that you got to win now because you gave away your pick. Yeah. The black cloud is the elephant in the room yeah. just another way for saying black cloud but it just it changes the conversation with almost every single texan topic 713-780-ESPN so a little bit of a, a pulse of how rocket fans are feeling about their team basketball season will be here before you know it i know if nfl starts tonight preseason game number one but basketball season will be here before you know it as well all right bad take boulevard who made the list who joined the illustrious list of Bad Take Boulevard next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, right now, before we go to the break, I want to tell you about my good friend, Doc Linville. Been telling you about him for quite a while. If you're not familiar with the Neograft procedure, you need to be, especially if you got hair loss or pattern baldness, thinning uh, front, front of your hair and the hairline, maybe up top. 
and you think there's nothing you can do about it. You're thinking about sprays and creams and foams to mask the problem or shaving it all off or getting a rug. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You just have to meet with Doc Linville and see if the Neograft is right for you. It was right for me in Granado. It should be right for you, too, because it's a no-brainer when you hear all of the science behind it. The fact that you're never going to lose the hair on the sides in the back of your head genetically, that's a fact. He takes some of that, Doc Linville does, and repurposes it where you need it most, in your hairline or in the bald spot up on top. And suddenly, you have more coverage area. The hair as it grows in gets thicker and stronger and longer. It's with you for the long haul. And it becomes a game changer when you talk about self-confidence, appearance, and the overall look and feel of real hair that's your hair where you need it most. Best thing I can tell you right now is as an ESPN listener, you get a free consultation with Doc Linville and his staff. It normally costs 150 bucks. You get it for absolutely free, no obligation, nothing out of pocket, nothing holding you or binding you to actually making the deal happen. But they want you to understand that it could be a procedure that you should do. Check them out today. Go to 975hair.com. Book that first appointment. Get all those answers. Ask all those questions. The one that got me, 95 to 99% of all the follicles that are going to be moved are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. That's what got me. There's other bullet points that could actually make a difference for you, too. Tell them I sent you by because I'm a big fan. All the Always doing the best work. It's Doc Linville at 975hair.com. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, home of the Norwegian Blue. A remarkable bird, the Norwegian Blue, in it beautiful plumage. So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. Alex says that, Alex on Twitch, he says that Joe George has to make the list because he's load managing. He says it's a bad take to load manage. Joe George makes the list for being on You load just managing. made the list. George George, Joe George makes the list. Load management. That's a good point. It's a good point. You, you load manage, you make the list. No one likes load managers around here. You make the list, Joe George. A lot of people making the list aside from Joe George as well. Uh, how about Colin Coward making the list this week? You just made the list. We've talked about this one quite a bit, but it bears repeating. Colin Coward put together a list of like the last 30 first-round quarterbacks or whatever, which includes Dwayne Haskins, and he broke them down into three different categories, like can't miss, this guy's a Super Bowl contender, then high-end starters, and then other guys that have no chance of ever winning a Super Bowl. He listed Dwayne Haskins. If you're unaware, Dwayne Haskins is no longer with us. I don't think it was Colin Coward that dropped the ball here, per se, but he's the face that runs that place. He is the face of the Colin Cowherd show. It was probably some intern doing the computer graphics, and he just read what was on the screen. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Charles Barkley, and I'm a, you know. But if it's your show, you have your name on it. Colin Coward, you make the list for saying Dwayne Haskins. He's not wrong, but including Dwayne Haskins in a list with other living quarterbacks. No, absolutely. We talked about it. I mean, as much as people would like him to make the list for his take on C.J. Stroud, there's nothing that can surpass. That was a fair take. Yeah, there's nothing that can surpass what he did both graphically and then audibly when he actually read his name. And if you're any kind of a sports guy at all, you pretty much know Dwayne's no longer with us. Yeah, it was a bad, bad take. Bad take. Colin Coward lands on the list. Fishing with Dana on uh, the Twitch says Joe George makes the list with all his whining. It's interesting. No one's you ever made, made the, the list. list. Joe George has made the list twice. No one has ever made the list for whining before. No. But I guess Joe George is the. Uh, you know, I mean, we could maiden voyage. I could see him making the list for putting in part time hours on a full time salary, but I, I don't know that I could see him making the list for whining. Yeah. Like I, I know that he he's made the his bad take should make the list. Those are almost daily. He makes he makes Bad Take Boulevard a lot. Then now. he's the master of the obvious when he says, I'm a white guy. Well, no bleep. <laughs> I mean, we know. Tell me something I don't know. San Diego State made the list a couple of weeks ago. Well, San Diego State makes the list again. Now, what they were trying to do is actually pretty cool, but they never got off the ground. San Diego State, after the whole conference realignment, you know, the, the four corner schools leaving to the Big 12, there's been some rumors that Stanford and Cal could be going to the ACC, although the, apparently that, that has hit some snags yep. and roadblocks. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. But San Diego State was trying to create a new Power 5 conference by taking the leftovers of the Pac-12, 
the best of the Mountain West Conference and the best of the American Conference, creating a new conference, basically cherry-picking the best of what is left and create this new Power 5 league. I like the idea. I like the idea. I like the effort from San Diego State, but it's failed miserably, and the Mount West Conference was like, yeah, bro, we're not doing that. Yeah. I mean, in theory, it sounded like a neat idea that, you know, everybody might want to jump on board and be a part of, but at the end of the day, might have done a little bit more digging and background checking before you came out with anything that might have leaked out publicly. Yeah, that was, I mean, it was a good try. It's a good try by San Diego State. At this point, you kind of got to do that, right? I mean, there's got to be a lot of salvaging going on right now. If you're stuck in a non-power league, you need to be doing everything possible trying to get into a power league. So I I tip my cap at San Diego State's effort, but but they have been... They've been misguided. They've had some missteps along the way. If you can't join them, well, you can't create your own. Yeah, so try and create. <laughs> you your just own. made the list. San Diego State makes the list. Remember two weeks ago, like they left the Mountain West Conference. They put in their resignation so they wouldn't have to pay like more exit fees. And then they came back and like, oh yeah, just kidding about that. And the Mountain West Conference commissioner was like, well, about that, you're gonna have to pay us an exit fee. So San Diego State is trying very, very hard. But not able to accomplish anything. Uh, did you hear what SMU is trying to do to get into a, a power league? Apparently, the rumors are that they're trying to get into like an ACC currently, but they've offered conferences. Rumors would tell you this. Rumors. They're trying to get into a power league, and they're willing to not take money for like the first five years. They got a doing lot it of for money free. That's, cool. that's the thing. Is like apparently they have some donors and boosters lined their up booster line that would is, supplement woo. their TV deal. Like. 10 times over. So they're willing to join a power league for free and then get that money like, you know, year six and then onward. Must be nice. It's crazy. Must be really nice to have that kind of donor money lined up that you can just make offers like that. Money's never the problem at SMU. I mean, you even go back to the Pony Express. Right. You go back to Larry Brown. Money's never the issue. And from the coaching perspective, they go out and get coaches. You know, they do everything that they possibly can to put something on the table that you know that that's going to be a huge success. Dre just landed on the list uh, on the Twitch. Doctor Dre just made the list. Said that SMU should join the Big Twelve. Why would the Big Twelve get an SMU whenever they already have Baylor? They already have TCU. They have the Metroplex. What 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 does SMU add to the Big Twelve whenever you already dominate the Metroplex? Well, if you're not looking for any kind of uh, revenue share or split on TV money, I mean, it could be a nice add if you need them, but you don't need them. Don't need them. And, and TCU and Baylor aren't going to want to have SMU in there. Now you're competing with with recruits in the Metro. Plex with another school. It's a bad take, Dr. Dre. Keep, you land on the LA, list. By the way, just to reiterate, made the list, and, and he should stay on the list for a while. What now? Because, no, just for everything that I reiterated last segment. The fact that he constantly boasts and makes horrible predictions that fail miserably, and then continues to keep making them. It, it just it never ceases to amaze me, and therefore he has not only a condominium, but he has a guest house, and he has a, a, a lake house. On, on You Bethany. just made the list! Chief from L.A., you made the list. Jerry Angelos, we won't oh, talk a man. whole lot. Of, we've already spent did a lot of time Did you hear Blummer last night, by the way? What did he say? Blummer and TK, and it was just kind of midstream, middle of the game yesterday. They were talking, and TK was saying something about, you know, that based on what the Astros had been through and some of the things where they've had some losing seasons, even when the Orioles were bad, and, and Blummer goes, whoa, 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 be careful, TK. Be careful. Hey, I'm out of this one. If you want to keep, I want my job. I'm not doing it. Like, yeah. Oh, Blummer. Like. Apparently, you could hear the fans chanting free Kevin Brown. The Angelos family said the Angelos, is, they suspended Kevin Brown for being critical of the Orioles, even though they weren't critical of the Orioles. And apparently their fans have been chanting free Kevin Brown, but they've been turning down the crowd mics. So they wouldn't bleed over into the broadcast. So, so, the the Orioles, and yeah, the, radio and TV. That's what I, that's what the uh, that's what the Twitter rumors are. So this Angelos family, pretty. Uh, so that so now is that like and baseball might be different than basketball, but the home team basically controls the parabolics, the mics, the 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 nat sounds in the building, so that they can they can control all of it. Or can the visiting mm. like can can visiting TV get their own? I think that they can control their own levels. Like, they send you the feed, but then you can control the level on your board. Yeah, that's what I thought. I would think that our, our feed would be True. able to pick that up. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, did Phil Mickelson make the list? This is one that I'm a little little uh, curious about. There is a new memoir coming out by Billy Walters. It is titled Gambler, Secrets from a Life of Risk by professional gambler uh, Billy Walters. This book claims that Phil Mickelson has wagered $1 billion on sports in the last three decades. The book says that Mickelson has lost nearly $100 million gambling. 
He averaged nine bets per day in 2011. This is my favorite one. He made 43 baseball bets on one day. Whoa. What are you? I mean, how many on? how many inside the game bets are you making? Like, I mean, there's fifty. There's at most fifteen baseball games a day. So you bet like okay, fifty. You bet, you every, bet game. every game against the like with the number. You're just picking a winner, you know, straight up. Then you go the over under run total. Like that is still only thirty bets. Like where are the other bets? thirteen I mean, coming from? There got to be props. Individual yeah. props have to be involved. First inning run scored, like all these silly things. How made many hits? Forty three. For- he made forty three major league baseball bets on one single day and then that was that was my favorite but this one's pretty good too he tried to bet four hundred thousand dollars on the united states during the 2012 Ryder cup that he was participating in now they ended up losing the the gambler said the, the billy walters the writer of this book said that he called billy walters to try to place the bet for him he called billy he said hey four hundred thousand dollars on america can you place it for me and billy walters like no have you ever heard of pete rose i'm not doing that for you I disagree, though. Like, this is kind of like boxing. Like, golf is like boxing. Like, if you're, it's a, it's an individual sport. You're going man up against the other person. Now, Ryder Cup, you do have the team format. Right. But betting on yourself during a Ryder Cup, during boxing, during a golf match, isn't the same as, like, a team sport. I'm totally fine in an individual sport when you bet on yourself. Boxing, it's encouraged to bet on yourself. Yeah, if you bet, a, if you go against your squad. Right. Yeah, now you're Pete Rosing. No, I see what you're saying. It's still it's 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 a little shake. I'd be curious how much they can he can validate and how much he can prove. But that's a boat. I mean, if he lost a hundred million dollars, it also tells you how much money Phil Mickelson's made. That's the thing is like, I mean, he placed one billion dollars, but he's made a lot of money, and this is just placing the bets. This Maybe he lose that live money. Well, you got two hundred million dollars. I was going to say, well, that that even if you if you give up a hundred for his debts, he's coming out all right. Says he's lost a hundred million dollars in gambling. Now, Mickelson, I think, went at somebody on Twitter like a year ago or so, and like they were making fun of Mickelson's betting habits, and like Mickelson's like, well, I've been done betting for a decade, and I'm worth a billion dollars now. So I think Mickelson's turned out all right. Yeah, but it is wild to have lost one million dollars in sports gambling. You just made the list. Made the list. That's, that's crazy. As you know, I've been around enough friends that have lost major amounts of money, and then I start adding it up, but it hadn't come close to that. Hundred mil. A hundred mil is preposterous. That's so much. All right, that does it for Bad Take Boulevard. Do you have any other bad takes that should be on the list? Uh, maybe for next week. Just just uh, tweet them. At Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. He'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, is Jose Abreu the worst free agent acquisition the Astros have ever had? In the history of the franchise, is Jose Abreu the worst? 713-780-3776. Killer B's ESPN 97.5. ESPN 92.5. It's probably a conversation you don't want to have, but here's a conversation you do want to have because they're the best. Pro Dunk Hoops, they make the highest quality basketball goals you'll find, similar to what you see in the arenas at the pro level or in the arenas at the college level. Tempered glass backboard gives you that true feel when you're kissing a shot off the glass, a layup off the glass, a breakaway rim that's perfect for for dunking, hanging, keeping you safe, stainless steel hardware, rust-proof, and height-adjustable, which is correlation with that breakaway rim. You can lower it anywhere from 5 feet and raise it all the way to 10 feet. Kids working on their game, you just want to have a slam dunk competition, whatever you want to do, you can raise that goal, lower that goal anywhere from 5 feet to 10 feet. Their accessories are next level. We told you already about that tempered glass backboard, that breakaway rim, stainless steel hardware, and how rust-proof it is. But how about LED light kits for night play? Get out of that 100-degree afternoon and wait for the evening. You can do that with the LED light kits or wait for the evening, the night. Or when you get off work or the kids get home from school and you can only you can only shoot and play at the night. You can get these LED light kits to take care of that. Also, backstop nets. You don't have to chase the basketball around. That's huge. That will save you a lot of time. And lots, 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 lots more, including professional installation. Yes, the pros at ProDunk will professionally install your goal the perfect height, perfectly straight. You don't need a ladder. You don't need a level because the pros will do the work for you. Uh, they'll come to your house. You pop back the recliner, maybe a cold one, watch some sports as the pros install that goal from Pro Dunk. Give them a call right now, 281-351-9822, and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. We control the spice. The worm is the spice. The spice is the worm. Back 
Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Bergman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. That's right. That's right, you will. John Belmer filling in for uh, Joe George today. Another great killer B. Uh, where is Joe George? Wrong answers only. Jet on Twitch says has, has two good ones. Uh, Joe is negotiating for tickets to see the next Taylor Swift concert at the Hard Rock in Miami. Hey, if somebody gave me tickets to go see T Swift, I'd go. I'd go watch her perform. And you would not need to worry about what you wouldn't do anyway, inviting me. Would you I go have no watch interest. her? No, I, I, you wouldn't go if somebody gave you Taylor no, Swift tickets. You I don't couldn't, like her music. You couldn't resell them. You're not going to that show. No, well, I mean, if I have two tickets, I'm taking my daughter, who is a fan. So you are going, to the and show. she listens to it. If she wanted to go to the Taylor Swift concert, it's a different story. But am I going with a free ticket to go see Taylor Swift? Absolutely not. I why, why can't I resell them? Because because that's the easy answer. Well, that's but that's what you that's what you do. But that's what that's I know. That's why you I can can almost can't do that. that. The, the kid you want to take to the concert, you could almost put her through college. I mean, that's, sold those that's the answer. But you have to go. You have to. Somebody gave you a free ticket. Like, it's your buddy. They're calling you up. Let's go watch T-Swizzle, which I'm questioning my, who my buddies are. Yeah. My buddy's calling me up. Going, hey, what are you doing? Want to go to T-Swift? Fair no, enough. No, I don't. Fair, fair enough. I'm going to earn me a favor. I'm going to give it to fair somebody enough. that wants to go and ask for a favor in return. Down I once said you could pass it on, John. No, well, I'm not going then. I, I would go. I'd go watch her. What's your care. favorite jam? Um, Tim McGraw. She has a song called mm, Tim McGraw. Sure does. Never she puts that. out banger after banger, man. You're not giving her enough credit. She's a great I mean, I know performer. she's popular. I know she's making coin. I know this tour is going well. Yeah, not, a not a fan. I like her earlier stuff more than her new stuff, like some of her country stuff. Uh, Joe George, another one from Jet. Joe George is having a custom, what does this say? Joe George is having a custom chair fitted so that he sits higher up than the rest. It's not a bad idea. I could we could use some. BK would love one, but he's a short timer, so he doesn't need one. He won't need it after Friday. No, yesterday <laughs> that he did something with a chair to where he was literally below the desk, and you could see just the top of his head over his computer. <laughs> BK, such a goofball. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Why is uh, Joe George not here? Mysterious disappearance of one Joe George. I hope, I hope he's here tomorrow. I hope he's okay. Uh, Uncle Barney has texted the show. Love when he appears. He says one hundred million dollars for that. Uh, Phil Mickelson lost is conservative. It's way more. Hmm. He thinks so, which I, I do too. Like didn't he didn't he lose some money to the SEC too because he was getting insider trading from uh, oh the, that one yeah, lady not the yeah the SEC right not the SEC the SEC yeah I thought you said SEC I was like what he's doing a lot of conference betting it is the SEC no it's he, the it's the Security Exchange Commission oh okay <laughs> I said the SEC because it is the SEC yeah he. He definitely got caught doing that. Yeah. So a lot, more money even than that. I think he had to pay like a $100 million fine. I wonder if he got that from the Chuckster. I really do. Because, the you know, Charles, as much as he gets credit for, like, he and Michael with Tiger getting Tiger, like, a, a real world aware when he was going to, you know, blow up and become famous. Charles was really, uh, you know, influential with early Phil. Oh, really? And Charles is, a, I mean, a massive gambler. So did Charles ever get insider trading? No, not that I know. I mean, the statute of limitations is up on this. Yeah, you can, not you, you're I not going to get in trouble. Did he ever give you some insider trading? Mm-mm. Listen to this. Let's nope. put, let's waterboard him and get the truth out of him. No, uh, no, not at all. I, so what is, I, I, what is I, the I'm most? I'm not a gambler like that, but I've seen and have been with Barkley when he's lost boatloads of money. I mean, part of the re- part had nothing to do with the color of my skin. The first time he called me white boy was because of the fact that. I was watching him in a casino lose well over a million dollars, and he all of a sudden he looked at me and he goes, "White boy, you okay?" But he wouldn't give you a little insider trading, no, a little side of insider trade. What's no. the What's the most ROI you've made on an insider trade from Charles Barkley? I've never made any money <laughs> off of Charles Barkley. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we want to, We don't want to turn this around on you with the Cougs, do we? Let's do it. No. What do you got? You can't do anything. I mean, you, you're going to have the same answers that I do. I don't. What question are you going to ask? Go for it. I'll give you one. No, you give me one. I'll give oh, you gee, one. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. You can't come up with one. I can. I mean, how many times did you use insider information when you bet on the Cougs? I've never bet on the Cougs. See, there you go. I've never been on college sports, period. Well, you're getting the same kind of answers, just turned it around. Uh, that's weird. Uh, is Jose Abreu the worst free agent signing the Astros have ever had? Ever. Ever. Now, there's three that might be in the conversation on this year's team, to be honest with you, in this offseason. Jose Abreu, as we know. 
signed a three-year deal in the offseason, paying him $18.5 million a year, $19.5 million a year. Three years, $58.5 million. No options, none of that. He's through the age of 38. Eight, 19.5 this year, next year, the year after that. Now, they signed Rafael Montero for 11.5, three years. They also signed Michael Brantley uh, this past offseason at $12 million one year. So, like, those are in the conversation. Maybe Verlander's first deal, because remember they gave him, was it $60 million two years, and he got hurt the first start of the Tommy COVID John, yeah. year yep. and then missed the rest of that season then all the next year. So he made $60 million and pitched one game. Was Carlos Lee a free agent when they signed him? $100 million six years. That was an awful deal. But Carlos and didn't Lee he have was, a no trade? Carlos Lee was okay. Okay. Carlos Lee had some good years with the Astros. There was if a Jose, no trade in that too, wasn't there? I don't, I'm sure, probably. I think there was. Probably. But if, Car- if Jose Abreu put up Carlos Lee numbers, though, we would be happy with who Jose Abreu is. Jose, uh, Carlos Lee is an, is an Astro. Astro only in his career had a 286 average with an 817 OPS. If Jose Abreu had a 286 average with an 817 OPS, we would be all very, very happy and content. Yep. So Carlos Lee's contract was not great, but I think what, what kills Carlos Lee is like the era of Astros he was on. Like, it was just off the hills of the World Series. It was just after missing out on Carlos Beltran. He was like the replacement. And then the Astros went from, like, this World Series contender to, like, playoff hopefuls. But Carlos, and, and he had a bad yeah, he year. He was supposed to be the, the great end. hope that changed the, the that yeah. kept the thing going in the right direction and saved the day and shouldered the load, and he just never was that kind of but player. But Carlos Lee was pretty good as an Astro. He had, he had one bad me. year. Like, his first year as an Astro, he had over 308. 82 OPS at 32 homers, drove in 119 runs. His second year, 314 average, 937 OPS, 28 homers, 100 home like runs. That. The third year as an Astro, 300 average, 831 OPS, 26 homers, 102 RBIs. Carlos Lee's yeah, Astro was that. not bad. He was actually pretty good. So I, I have to throw Carlos. Like I, I rather have that Carlos Lee than this Jose Abreu. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm dismissing Carlos Lee. I'll dismiss Verlander that first contract too. Like you got nothing out of it. But and it was an injury. Yeah, and it was an injury right. that derailed him. So, like, yeah, he only pitched one game, $60 million, two years, but injury derailed him. Other ones, like, if you want to go throwbacks, like Greg Swindell, 16.4, four years. Woody Williams was a disaster. Go Who was my guy that I always bring up to you, the boomer bust first baseman, Chris? I don't think – I think he was traded. I think he was a oh, trade. from Milwaukee? Oh, I think it was Oakland, actually. Was it? I think, I think Oakland's traded him to Houston. Okay. Maybe Milwaukee was in the Chris mix Clark? there. It was Chris Carter. Chris Carter. You always call him Clark. I do. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, Clark, Clark Carter, Carter, same thing. I think Jose Abreu is the worst contract the Astros have ever given out. For, to a free agent, not somebody that was already here. I'm saying a free agent acquisition in the offseason. Jose Abreu is the worst. I mean, Montero's a guy, but he's starting, to resurf- he's starting to kind of resurface his actual pitching ability. But Montero was a guy. It's just the, the overall contract is the same amount of, of years, but more money spent on Abreu. But the Montero deal, you're right, looked really, really bad and still doesn't look great. Mm-hmm. Maybe those are the two. Like, I mean, if we're, if we're going to dismiss injury, then we can probably throw Brantley's out of the conversation, too. It might come down to Montero and Abreu. The problem with the Brantley contract, though, is because for the amount of money, at least the other two guys have played it all. And the fact that Bagwell told you that he'd be ready for opening day and that, you know, then he was doing all these different rehab stints where they constantly kind of dangled the carrot in front of you only to pull it away to where he hasn't played a game. So you talk about return on the investment. At least these guys are actually trying to give you a return when they, you know, on a game by game basis. You're getting zero. You're basically through Brantley's entire contract in the crapper. Well, you can say the same thing about Verlander because Verlander signed an extension. When he got hurt, yeah. But but Verlander's two year extension was the first year of the COVID, and he got hurt the very first start. And then he missed the entire second year. So if you're going return on investment, you paid Verlander $60 million and he pitched in one single game. Yep. Like Brantley's a one-year deal. And Brantley's, was, Brantley's isn't that expensive either. Brantley's a $12 million deal that had incentives that obviously he's not going to hit. Mm-hmm. So like that's a disappointment, but it's only $12 million and it's only a one-year deal. Jose Abreu, 19 and a half for three years. People would buy it out right now. People hate it right now. Rafael Montero, at least he's giving you innings. And he's actually, he's actually trending in the right direction. I can't say that there is another free agent acquisition in Astros history, the entire history of the Astros, that is worse than Jose Abreu. A couple other throwbacks. Kaz Matsui, $16.5 million, three years, but like $16.5 million. That was a different age then, but whatever. Like, And then Jim Clancy, who was supposed to be the Nolan Ryan replacement, it was, again, a little salary back then, $3.4 million over three years, but he was supposed to be the Nolan Ryan replacement and obviously didn't live up to those big shoes. 
none of them are worse than Jose Abreu's. None of them. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I think we were both excited when they made the deal. And then yeah, we were. You know, as much as I kept holding out hope and saying I'm not really to, willing to just completely be done with him. And then I kept questioning myself, going, are you sure you want to have this guy's back for this long? And then June happened, and then July wasn't bad, and I'm like, okay. Then, you know, there's still hope. He, he's he's going to find it. And as much as not Santa wanted to, every time he did get a hit, wanted to tell us we owed him an apology and we owed Jeff Bagwell an apology, no one's apologizing. And, and we, a lot most people still expect the Astros to apologize because it was a disastrous offseason on all three guys. But it starts and ends with a break. Somebody just said that uh, Josh Reddick, you need to throw him into the mix. Reddick was pretty good as he an was Astro. Pretty good. 60 30 says Reddick's four year, $52 million deal is gross. Reddick is a Houston Astro, though. Those four years hit 275 with a 757 OPS. Like Jose Abreu right now is what, 650 OPS at first base? Like a premium, like right field, you have some premium offense. Corner outfield is like corner infield. You're expecting a lot more pop. And Reddick's first year as an Astro was the year they won the World Series in 17, and he hit 314 with an 847 OPS. Yeah, like, too. He was a good defensive outfielder. Yeah. Like He had a really good offensive year. The year you won the World Series, played a good outfield with a cannon. Meanwhile, Jose Abreu is having a well-below-average year in his first year. And he can't like, feel. At least Reddick gave you one like one really good year, and then the rest of his career as an Astro wasn't bad. Like It wasn't awful. His four years combined had a 757 OPS. Yeah, and That's with okay. Abreu, we don't talk about his defense as much because there's so much to talk about from the negative perspective of his offense. His defense is terrible. No. So Abreu's OPS 634. 634. Reddick's as an Astro is 757. Reddick had 120 points better OPS than Jose Abreu. That's terrible. Like the Reddick contract was not good. I agree with you. But he had a good year. Was okay. The next three years after a good year, Jose Abreu's been well below. Jose Abreu's one of the worst regulars in baseball. Facts. And you gave him three years, and he's in the first of a three year deal. This is the worst free agent signing the Ashes have had in the history of the organization. 713 780 3776. The Houston Texans play a football game today. It's, it's great because we're going to see CJ Stroud for the first time throwing a pass in a real game. Kind of. As a member of the Houston Texans. What do you want to see from the Texans tonight? 713-780-3776. The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. Oh, it's you people. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Huh?